Postal Publishing, The Going Postal Cast, and Christopher Chapman present Incarceration, the serialized weekly podcast performed by the author, Christopher Chapman. For more information, visit www.goingpostalpublishing.com or email him at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. This podcast is not suitable for children. It has violence, gore, and lots and lots of naughty words. If you can't handle that, go somewhere else. And now, on with the story, or whatever other crap I decide to come up with. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. As you can tell by my voice, it's sort of back to normal. After having to take a week off, because basically I haven't had my real voice in two weeks... I finally get to record an episode, and we finally get to move on with incarceration. So just a few updates. I'm going to first talk about, well, the illness. I've had this massive, massive cold that is really, it started off with just losing my voice. I didn't have any other symptoms other than one morning I woke up, and I sounded like like Batman from the, the most recent the trilogy. I'm not joking, that's pretty much how I sounded. So then we start getting closer to when I would normally start recording the episode for last week, and then the cold really hit, I got really sick, I had no energy, and when I did, I, I just sounded really bad, I, and just didn't sound good. But that's now all behind me, and so now I have to tell you about the other updates, what have I been doing while I've been sick. Well, just writing. That's pretty much it. I have not been able to move very far forward in the Daddy's Little Girl department, even though I do have something that I'll be sharing with all of you within the next few days. What I've mostly been working on is the third Death Has Come book, the third book in the series you are listening to in this very episode. I'm about 55,000 words, actually I think more than 55,000 words into that book. I'm thinking it's going to end somewhere in the 120,000 word range. Still not the longest book in the world, but, but by no means is it a small book. Just to give you some kind of a comparison, Incarceration is around 105,000 words. Its sequel, Homecoming, is around 110,000 words which is normally about what all my books are at, but in the case of Daddy's Little Girl, no, it's going to be quite a few words shorter than that. But I'll be letting all of you know about that very soon. This book's going to be quite a little bit longer than the last couple Death Has Come books, and it's right in there just about the average or slightly above average what I normally do. I have a novel that will be coming out in a couple of years called Doomsday that's currently at 138,000 words. The book that I just referred to as Football Story on the, on the release calendar, that one's about 110,000, and that one seems to be growing every time I look at it, which I've been playing with some edits on that in my spare time. So enough of that. I lastly want to talk just briefly before getting into the story. I want to thank those of you who sent just little emails just saying that they hoped I felt better and that my voice got better. Thank you. I appreciate that. That made me feel pretty good when I couldn't do the the episode. It made me feel better to know that there's a couple of you out there that 
you know, gave a crap, I guess. So that's it. Let's get into the episode. This is... What are we at now? This is episode 24 of Incarceration. Chapter 43 Jason felt Matt's icy stare from behind. There was no reason to believe that he wouldn't show interest in this. He had warned him about trying to communicate with vampires. He understood what Matt was trying to say, but needed to see it for himself. This was the closest he'd ever been to a vampire that hadn't been trying to kill him. He was hesitant to move too quickly. He didn't understand the internal workings of the vampire mind, but from what Matt had told him, it was primitive in nature. One false move could send Rick, if he could really call him Rick, into a frenzy. Come back here, Matt said from behind him. He ignored him. He needed to do this. Rick? Jason asked making sure not to get too close to him. Rick looked at him strangely, his head cocked to the right, as if he were trying to figure out who or what he was looking at. Don't you remember me? Jason asked, but he already knew the answer. Despite the slow way that Rick examined him, there was no understanding in those eyes. He had absolutely no clue who he was. To make matters worse, his mouth was opening very slowly. He was about to attack. Jason's arm shot forward, extending the tip of the stake into Rick's chest. He did so with a heavy heart, feeling his last remaining friend burn all around him. He kept the stake in him, making sure that the job got done. He held Rick where he was as he exploded into red flames, turning to ash all around him. What the hell have you done? Matt called, grabbing him by the arm as he ran past him. Jason found himself being drugged towards the other vampires. They passed the vampires, who seemed to all be focusing on something that was happening all around them. Something subtle at first, but getting more obvious as they moved. The air around them was getting noticeably warmer. Oxygen was leaving the room, becoming harder to breathe. They continued moving as the remaining vampires became still, trying to figure out what was happening. Jason also wondered, but didn't intend on waiting to find out. They passed several other vampires who had come out of their hiding places to see what was going on. It was a trap. Rick hadn't been human after all. It was all a show to get him to let his guard down. When he became vulnerable, they would have swooped in for the kill. He became extremely satisfied with his decision, even though it didn't lessen the pain even a little. The heat continued climbing as the air continued to thin. The process continued until Jason found that it was almost impossible to breathe. Sweat poured from his forehead, getting into his eyes and stinging. Jason turned back one last time as they found another set of double doors. Matt opened the doors, but Jason had to stop for a moment. He had to know what was happening. He saw the vampires, still looking around frantically. The air around them had started changing somehow, turning into something else. By the time he figured out what it was, it was almost too late. Fire erupted out of thin air, disintegrating the nearby vampires instantly. Jason thought that he could see their skeletons before they turned to ash. That was the last thing he dared to stick around to see. He turned and ran, following Matt through the door. The old laundry room exploded in a ball of fire, incinerating everything it touched. The fire moved out from its origin, getting closer with every millisecond. Jason could feel his hair burning. He got the double doors closed, instantly feeling a change in temperature. 
It wasn't going to last very long. The sealed steel doors were turning red, like the charcoals in a hot grill. In some spots, the metal was melting. Come on, Matt shouted, grabbing hold of him by the back of his shirt. As Jason followed Matt, he heard an explosion behind them. The area in which they'd been standing just seconds before was filled with fire. The corridor continued filling with the fire behind them, expanding outward. Jason and Matt didn't slow. That wasn't an option. The fire consumed everything in the area where they'd just been running. The heat on their backsides continued to strengthen, until it seemed like they were going to be engulfed by the ball of fire. Then, as if the fire slammed against an invisible wall, it stopped. The fire burned itself out, leaving the corridor as a blackened, sooty mess. They stopped and looked back. Jason couldn't believe his eyes. As his chest heaved, he wondered what just happened. In a life that had witnessed far more than he was ever intended to, he'd never seen anything like that before. He turned to Matt, knowing that he would have the answer, or at least a clue. "'You want to tell me what that was all about?' Jason asked, every word difficult as he tried getting his air back. "'That, I believe, was the Vampire Lord,' Matt said, bending over and putting his hands on his knees. He coughed and spit out a thin mucus. "'When you killed Rick, I think that was our one too many.' "'I thought he's supposed to show up and kill us all,' Jason said, referring to what Matt had told him. "'I don't know everything about this,' Matt told him. He seemed angry. "'I've spent the last twelve years trying to prove theories and create my own. How about you?' Jason didn't answer. "'The truth is that I never tested that theory.' Why in the hell would I? If I tempted the anger of the Vampire Lord, supposedly that meant certain death. Most of the stuff I've read has come true. Why wouldn't I have at least given some credibility to that one? I'm just trying to figure it out. So am I, Matt snapped. The only thing I can think of is that the Vampire Lord thought he could kill us without even stepping foot in here. Maybe he's gotten lazy over the decades, centuries, whatever it's been, or just doesn't want to risk himself. Either way, he did quite enough damage, wouldn't you say? Jason nodded. Matt looked around, trying to figure out where they were. I think that he bought us some extra time. Unless there are some more vampires this way, I can honestly say they won't be able to smell us. Jason looked around as well. They were in a large room with six small windows that let in the smallest amounts of light. What they were able to see were several long tables. They were covered with a thick dust, as was the floor. Only the footprints they just created disturbed the dust. Looks like an old cafeteria, Matt said. How big is this place? No clue, Jason replied. He'd never seen the whole thing, but had heard that the facility could house many more prisoners, if necessary. On a night like tonight, he was glad that they hadn't. More than enough people had already died and been transformed into those damn beasts. They never let us go beyond the routine. It was cell, chow hall, and yard. I'd never seen that laundry room before, nor have I seen this other chow hall. He paused, thinking about it. It's like a whole other world here. The prison likely updated its facilities at some point, and left this alone in case it ever became so crowded that they needed it again, Matt said. There was probably some intention on turning it into another group of cells, but that never happened. I think somebody would have noticed a large amount of construction in the middle of a swamp. Some of it made sense, but some didn't. 
Why would the state spend all that money to update a facility and leave such a large chunk empty? It didn't make much sense, but, then again, it was the American government they were talking about. He supposed that it wasn't out of the realm of possibility to leave half of the building empty for that just-in-case moment. I think that we should get some rest, Matt said, looking around. I don't know how much time we'll have before they come to investigate, but I'd imagine that it will be before morning. You have any idea what time it is? Jason asked, hoping that the number would be small. Judging by how his body felt, it couldn't come soon enough. I'd say that we have two hours before the sun makes its first appearance, Matt told him. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I don't have a watch, do you? Jason shook his head. Of course he did. I don't know if it'll harm you in any way, but I think you should get some sleep, Matt said. You need to rest your head for a little while. I don't sleep at night, Jason said, a little more firmly than he intended. The dark, remember? Matt seemed to consider this for a moment. I understand. We can just sit back and relax for a little. You're not going to rest? Insomniac, Matt said matter-of-factly. Jason nodded and looked away. A hand slapped down on his shoulder. Nice job, by the way, Matt told him. A smile spread on his face. I didn't think that you had it in you to kill Rick. That wasn't Rick, Jason said, then took a seat at one of the tables. He gripped the stake in his hand, feeling the splintery wood against his skin. Rick was already dead. Chapter 44 The silence between them had grown intense. They hadn't said anything to one another in over an hour. It was a good hour, seeing as there was no more sightings of vampires. They would be along soon enough, but not yet. Matt looked at Jason. He was sitting at the cafeteria table, making drawings in the dust with his fingers. He looked at the drawings, trying to determine what they were. He saw a picture that looked like a person, maybe a little boy. There were other drawings, some of which were larger people. Was he drawing his family, as a little boy would do? Jason wiped away the drawing and slammed his fist down on the table. He got up and walked away, never looking in Matt's direction. Matt decided it was best to leave him alone. If there was one thing that he knew, it was that Jason would have to deal with his demons on his own. All in all, he was very proud of how Jason handled himself with Rick. He had anticipated seeing Rick at some point tonight, but had never thought it would have been so quick. He'd also thought that Jason would prove to be a difficult sell when it came to killing Rick. He had waited in the distance, stake in hand, ready to end Rick if the moment came to be. In the end, Jason killed Rick mercilessly, ending him like a pro. It had been good that he had done that. Matt had known it was a trap, even with that brief glimpse of humanity in Rick's expressions. The vampires were becoming smarter and stronger. Even the grunts. The thing that he couldn't get over more than anything else, was what happened after Jason killed Rick. The way that the air turned into flames, blowing outward the way it had, was a dramatic display of power. He'd never seen anything like it before. It was difficult to imagine anything with that much strength. Brian had been superhuman strong, but nothing compared to what he had witnessed, a display of power that could have only been the Vampire Lord. How are we ever going to win this battle? If he can do things like that when he's angry, it's hard to imagine what he would do if somebody came face to face with him. An 
And how did he get those powers anyway? How many people did he have to kill to get that strong? Matt saw a war brewing that the human race couldn't possibly win. A creature existed with unparalleled powers, a beast so strong that he destroyed half of a prison by thinking about it. What was going to stop him from overthrowing the human race? He was obviously strong enough. He tried not to think about it, but found that it was like a voice that wanted to be heard. The voices kept pressing themselves into his mind, demanding an audience. He was forced to hear the question about whether or not he believed this was all worth it. The words kept coming. No matter how hard he tried to repress them, he found himself pondering their meaning. He knew one thing. He was going to do whatever it took to get out of this prison alive. He and Jason were likely the only two remaining survivors, but they were going to get out or die trying. He was going to get out of prison and spend the next several months looking for a way to kill the vampire lord. Once he knew how, the next step would be to figure out where he was hiding. Rumors had circulated for years about the whereabouts of the vampire lord. There were some that said he was living in an abandoned building in Chicago. There were others that said that he lived in the abandoned mines of northern Michigan. One thing was certain. Nobody had witnessed anything from the vampire lord in more than a decade. From everything he'd read and everybody he'd talked to, nobody knew if the vampire lord was real or not. Well, he'd learned the truth the hard way and almost paid for it with his life. Somebody out there knew about him, wrote about him, and tried to warn others. If he were still alive, he would prove useful in figuring out how to destroy him and end this war before it fully started. He had promised himself that he was getting out of this as soon as he had freed his daughter from their clutches. Could he actually go through with that? He supposed he could, but what would that prove? What would that say about him? It would say that he was in this for selfish reasons. He was. He would never dispute that with anybody. He wanted revenge for his daughter's death, and had done so when he killed Brian Normand. That was half the puzzle. All that remained was freeing his daughter. He didn't believe that would be the end of it. The truth was that he didn't feel the slightest bit of relief in the death of Brian Normand. The more he thought about it, the more he realized that somebody had made Brian that way. It just happened to be the same vampire that had killed Jason's parents. He took a moment from his thoughts to look at Jason, watching him pace back and forth through the cafeteria. Another vampire had created the man that killed Brian Norman and Jason's parents, possibly even the vampire lord himself. It didn't really matter who'd done it. The facts were that vampires were all part of a longer line of transformations, all leading back to the original. This all came back to the Vampire Lord, no matter how he tried to make it look in his mind. The only way he could ever be free of this was if the Vampire Lord was dead, but first they needed to get out of the prison. There was no time to wait. The vampires would soon know that they were still alive and come to kill them. They had to get out while they still had the element of surprise. They had to go now. So there you have it. That was episode 24 of Incarceration. A little bit of a shorter episode. Had to kind of map it out that way. We have only four more chapters of Incarceration coming up, so kind of expect that to come with over the next two weeks, and then we're going to be done with Incarceration, and then we're going to have to do a few other things. 
I have a few other episodes planned beyond the next two episodes of Incarceration, so be sure to be on the lookout for those when it comes. But let's take care of some business right now. For more information, go to the website goingpostalpublishing.com. While on the website, be sure to click on the Amazon banner. If you're going to do some shopping on Amazon, click through the banner and do all of your shopping on Amazon. Doing so will result in me getting a few pennies for every dollar that you spend. It costs you nothing, and every penny that you contribute to the Going Postal Cast goes right back into the Going Postal Cast. You can't lose. If you want to send me a question, a comment, or a cheap shot, or in the case of the last week or two, some well wishes, you can do so by emailing me at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub. You can like me on Facebook, facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. I have a YouTube page. There will be a short little video being posted on there in the next week and hopefully more videos coming more often on that YouTube channel. So that wraps it up for this week. I will be back next week with another episode of the Going Postal Cast, Incarceration. So until then, take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub, or like him at facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. This podcast is copyright 2012, Going Postal Publishing. <laughs>